Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. In case you are confused by the name, uh, my name is Simon Miller, and it's Pro Wrestling Show. That's it. It's very simple. It's very basic. As the intro suggests, it's the only wrestling podcast on the planet. So I feel like I have a very important task ahead of me. Not true. There are still brand new wrestling podcasts being come out every single day. And you're like, good for you, man. Some of you go, there's too many wrestling podcasts. You don't have to listen to them. I mean, you can literally ignore them. And everyone's listening to Conrad Thompson's ones anyway, although Rennie Paquette is also very good. Anywho, we are going to talk about the world of wrestling, everything that's happened over the last few days, over the last week, before we do get into that. As I am recording this, which I shouldn't really be doing, to be honest, but I'm not able to go to synagogue this year due to the ongoing pandemic and the restrictions and the struggles. I thought, you know what, as well, I may as well get a podcast out there. Of course, it is Yom Kippur. So if you are out there right now and like my good self are fasting, I send you all the best wishes. And I hope that you are having a very humbling and very sobering 25 hours. And for people that don't care about that, you don't have to care about that because now we're going to move on and talk about the best thing that has happened in what, like a week? Usually I'd say the best thing that would happen in a year. But 2021 is so crazy. It was kind of the best thing that happened this week. But it is, of course, Big E cashing in his Money in the Bank Championship to become WWE Champion. Just so good. His Money in the Bank Championship, I said. Money in the Bank briefcase. Just so, so damn good. Now, Straight away, out of the woodwork, get the people going, oh, we shouldn't have done this, we hotshot it. Look, there's a load of different things. No matter what happens in wrestling or any walks of life, there are always criticisms and negativities you can come up with. They could have done it like this, they could have done it like that, ipso facto, up, down, left, right. I don't care. I really, really don't. And you could say, Simon, you're part of the problem for thinking this way. Okay, well, I've got real problems in my life that I'd rather dedicate more time to, so I'm also cool with this. All I care about is that Big E cashed in that briefcase and became the champion. Because if you are like me, I'm sure you had a little bit of a worry that, you know, WWE may not have done this because despite the way, you know, Biggie's Biggie's got the size, right? Which is WWE's favorite thing. But there always seemed to be this idea that they wouldn't go all the way with him. And I used to think that was crazy because to me, Biggie is exactly the type of person that should be the champion. He should be the type of person representing your company. He should be the type of person in main events. And I'm not saying that he's the greatest of in-ring wrestler ever, but I kind of feel like that gets overstated a lot these days. The better the wrestler you are, the better, of course. What a stupid thing to say. The better wrestler you are, the better. Just overusing the English language there. But I don't look at a sports entertainer, to wind up people, in just one regard. I take them as the entire package. And I think Biggie is a really good wrestler in terms of his in-ring work. But it's his character, his personality, his promos, and his weirdness, if I'm going to be completely straight, that, you know, has won me over all of all of these years. And I just like him. And I think that's a forgotten quality in wrestling these days, is that if you just like someone, it doesn't matter if they've got foibles or there is some, there are some, you know, things that may need to be cleaned up. You like them. And that's it. Why on earth would you all of a sudden go look at their weaknesses? Because you've just found their strengths. If anything, that's what WWE has done too much over the years. And we've seen a bunch of guys that also should have been in this position never be able to make it to the top of the ladder. 
And for that reason alone, I'm happy. And also, if WWE is going to continue with the brand split, which they are, there's no point pretending. Otherwise, we've got the draft in a few weeks, whenever the hell it is, early October, which I'm not a fan of. I don't mind it. It doesn't offend me. But I prefer it when it's all just, you know, one big roster and you come up with good ideas week on week. But whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. But if you are going to have Roman Reigns on one end of the uh, brand, the SmackDown brand, the blue brand, who is the dominant Hill champion that nobody can beat, and he's doing a terrific job, by the way, I don't see why you'd have the same thing on your Raw show. Now, I do want to take this moment to say that Bobby Lashley has been fantastic. And I don't want to say this has been a long time coming, because he was actually brilliant in TNA as well. When he was in TNA with MVP, surprise, surprise, those two were also smashing it. So really, he's finally been put on the level that he should have been on. Again, just ties into everything we've just said. But my major point is it makes far more sense to take someone that is beloved, not only by the fans, but clearly by the wrestlers. Just go look at the reaction on social media. And he's now your good guy champion. Because don't forget, we watch wrestling for the heroes to win. Some of us like the villains. I'm a big Darth Vader fan, right? But ultimately, I totally understand that it can't end with Darth Vader killing the Emperor, then killing his son, and then killing Princess Leia, and killing Harrison Ford. I mean, I'd secretly love it. It's like the opening level of The Force Awakens. On Xbox 360, it must have been. My words a long time ago. Why they never just took that Darth Vader level and turned it into an entire video game, I'll never know. But don't have to worry about this. It was a long time ago. But I always think that it's good to have that kind of a balance. So now that I know I can tune in on Monday night and just see Biggie running wild as the champion, probably having a feud with Bobby Lashley, all things considered, it makes me happy. It makes me warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. And I, I do not understand why all of a sudden we're going to, when's he going to lose it? Or when's he going to do this? Or is he going to be treated like a dominant champion? We can just take all this on board as we learn these facts. Because right now we don't know any of the facts. Maybe they decide, you know what, Big E, we're going to change your name to, I don't know, Wallpaper, right? Wall first name, paper last name. And you're going to go around with a big, one of those squealy-wheely painting thingamajobs. They're not called that. I can't remember what they're called. A roller. A roller, that's right. A painting roller. And that's going to be your gimmick. Maybe they could do that, right? It's professional wrestling. There's no rules. You can do whatever the hell you want. But I'm not going to have sleepless nights going, oh my gosh, they're going to turn him into wallpaper. And his finish is probably going to be called the painter roller. I quite like this idea. Somebody should do it. I'm just going to enjoy the fact that he is the WWE champion. It's another one of these 2021 situations where if I had told you this in January, the biggie is going to win money in the bank and then beat a really dominant champion to take that belt off him. You just, I don't think many people would have bought into that, or at least, you know, given themselves the wherewithal to believe that it was going to be true. So I thought it was fantastic. I thought the whole, I thought Raw was actually really good this week. Don't get me wrong, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but that's because Raw doesn't make sense. You can't all of a sudden, you know, continue storylines that started absolutely crazy and then all of a sudden try and, you know, get them to not have huge plot holes in them. But ultimately, I thought it was entertaining and ending with. The uh, yeah, something like that, which made me again feel good inside, and especially made me feel good for Big E, who I think is just a terrific person. I mean, just go listen to any interview he's done before, during, or after. You know, his dedication to other people is second to none, and he's an inspiration, which is also something a champion should be. You know, that's what it was originally meant to do. You were supposed to be the stereotypical hero, but then I get it, it became passe, as Vincent Mann told us. But even Stone Cold Steve Austin was fighting for what was right many of the time. He just did it in a very crazy way. Like he understood that Vincent Mann was a tyrannical boss and just decided to point a fake gun at his head and pretend to kill him, which is not necessarily something you should be doing if you are in a Disney movie, for example. But it's not a Disney movie. But yeah, I loved it. I will always love it. I presume that we are going to do Bobby Lashley versus Biggie, because that's the other thing. People are like, oh, yeah, but you know, Biggie's a heel now because Bobby Lashley hurt himself. Man, these are just little things. 
WWE wanted to protect Bobby Lashley. Did they need to? No, not at all. He'd just been in a 15-minute match with Randy Orton. That should be cause enough to say, well, he'd probably be a little bit tired. But they did what they did, and it's WWE. So in a few weeks, they won't be talking about it anyway. And it's been a great week for WWE. I thought that SmackDown show that happened about a week ago was also tremendous. I thought Brock Lesnar was great. I think they're doing everything right with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, even though it's simple and obvious. That's the other thing. I can't believe how obvious it was. Do you go watch a romantic comedy and hope that it ends with like a stab? No, you hope it ends with them having sex. Let's face it. I mean, you're a bit weird. We're all a bit weird. We're all a bit strange. But that's what we should be doing. And also, I thought there was enough um, happenstance, not the right word, but enough rope there to make you go, do I really know what side Paul Heyman is siding with? Because we never saw Brock Lesnar hit the F5. That was the big one. Oh, he's turned on. No, he hasn't. It's like when you see somebody, I said this in ups and downs, but it's like when you see somebody get shot in a TV show or a movie, if you hear the bullet sound, but you don't see the body, there's an every chance that person's not dead. Or there's every chance that person may be coming back or something like that. And that was the case here. You know, before he could do anything, the Usos are on Brock Lesnar. So... We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but I thought that was really good. Did we rush the demon coming back? Of course we did. Now, I suppose this didn't affect me as much as some because I've never been hugely into the demon character in WWE for these reasons. He kind of just pops up, delivers your post, and then he goes away again. It was far better in New Japan, in my personal opinion, but what do I know? Absolutely nothing. We have established this, but it's still cool. Like Roman Reigns versus the demon is a very interesting setup because obviously Roman Reigns is so oh man, bow to me, acknowledge me. Very grounded in reality, whereas whatever the demon is, is whatever the demon is. I kind of hope they, and I would never usually advocate for shenanigans, but I hope there are some shenanigans. I doubt Brock Lesnar's going to run in. I don't think we'll see him for a while, but I would like to come up with something that protects Finn Balor and protects the demon because it's a shame that he's kind of been lost in the shiffle courtesy of John Cena and Brock. It's just one of those things, really. I understand what WWE did, what they did, but Finn Balor was kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, you know, instead of running away from the fact we have him in a number one contender match or in a championship match at Extreme Rules in a couple of weeks, let's turn him into a, you know, let's come out the other side that even if he does lose, he has momentum, he has stock, you know, he feels like a top guy because he is a top guy. And I think he offers you something completely different to everybody else. And then you kind of protect the demon character as well. We can do it with Bobby Lashley on Raw. I don't see why we can't do it with Finn Balor. And then I don't really know who he feuds with after this. I don't really know who Roman Reigns feuds. Although really, when Extreme Rules is done, the next big thing is this draft. And Drew McIntyre has got to be going across to SmackDown. He just has to be. I'd be absolutely amazed. He doesn't really have a feud on, on, on Mondays. He's already gone back to the Jinder Mahal stuff, I would assume, just to get him through another week. And then I think, yeah, you put him on SmackDown. And you do Roman versus Drew. I'd be well up for that throughout the end of the year. Maybe into the Royal Rumble before we either do Brock or maybe even The Rock. Although I think The Rock's going to be 2023. It's another interesting scenario because McIntyre hasn't really sort of been on the dominant tear that he was sort of 2020 especially. But I still think it'd be all right if he loses to Roman Reigns. And I think they have such good matches that it will make SmackDown or continue to make SmackDown such a good show because even in the ratings, it certainly has resonated with people. And I get that Brock Lesnar is a huge reason for that. But even if you go through over the last few weeks, people want to watch SmackDown. It is a top, top show. I'm enjoying it muchly. And even the Becky Lynch thing was kind of fascinating. Like I don't, I still don't think she should be a heel because I think it's so hard to get a baby face in WWE nowadays. But if it is going to, you know, allow Bianca Belair to hopefully shine and if Becky Lynch wanted to do it, then I think that's kind of cool because in a performance-based industry, I like the idea of the talent themselves being able to have input into their storylines. I think they'll be more into it and I think they'll do a better job, whether Becky Lynch will do a good job regardless. But 
yeah, kind of fascinating. Awful that Zelina Vega wasn't allowed to be on the show, given that it was September the 11th and it was in Madison Square Garden, obviously, you know, New York, and her father passed away in those attacks. I don't want to get into it too much because I think it opens up another dialogue that we don't, or a monologue, I suppose, because it's just me talking, but I just don't get why WWE do, does these things. I understand you have to time out a show, but just find a minute, find 90 seconds. We've done short matches before, and if she had got special gear made, which I believe was the case, I think sometimes you've just got to err on the side of good. And to me, that would have been erring on the side of good. However, Raw, really enjoyed it. SmackDown, really enjoyed it. Dynamite AEW is just an absolute runaway momentum freight train at the moment. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. They have these two shows next week, Rampage and the Arthur Ashe Dynamite. That are, this is how they're selling it too. Two pay-per-views, essentially, broken down into two-hour chunks that you can watch on free TV. I mean, next week, what is it? The 22nd, 23rd, whatever. We are actually getting Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson versus Kenny Omega for the, not for the AW World title. They haven't done that, which I suppose kind of gives away the ending, but you never know. And that is a huge match. That is a dream match. That is a match that people have been asking for for literally years. Even Bryan Danielson, when he was in WWE, would say, and Kenny Omega's been talking about that ever since he was, well, I don't know, probably in the wrestling industry, I would imagine. And I know they fought before. They had a few Ring of Honor matches, which, of course, are all over the internet. But it's different. These are now seasoned professionals who I would say at the moment are the top of their game. And again, they're doing it in a company that does feel like it has a ton of momentum, which always helps because the buzz grows. When the buzz grows, the matches that you're trying to sell feel like they're bigger deals. I can't quite believe it's real. Because don't forget, the last time we saw Brian Danielson was in the WrestleMania main event. So there's a trivia question you're going to have. He leaves WWE in April after main eventing WrestleMania. And then four, five, six months later, he is headlining another huge show in New York against Kenny Omega. Now, I presume the title isn't on the line because Brian Danielson's going to win. And honestly, what I would do is this, and I understand it's kind of crazy in many ways, and I think you, you need to come up with really, really good execution, and you need to come up with really, really good storytelling. But I totally believe that AEW's grand plan is still to ensure that Hangman Adam Page becomes a super-duper babyface, a super-duper star, which should be the, the, absolutely, because he's there, people love him, and if you can use the chess pieces you have to sort of back that up and push it even further, then you should absolutely do it. So... Brian Danielson can beat Kenny Omega. You've got to come up with a way, though, so it doesn't affect Omega too much. He's your world champion. Then that leads into the pay-per-view where you get the rematch. Makes perfect sense, because if you've beaten the world champion, deserve a championship shot. There, Brian Danielson could win. Maybe you can pull the trigger on Hangman Page coming back then would make sense. But I'd honestly try and work CM Punk into that situation. Now, I don't think they're going to do this because I think CM Punk is having a whale of a time. Clearly, look at his face working with the younger guys. Cannot wait for Powerhouse Hobbs versus him next week because it's a completely different matchup to him versus Darby Allen. So, you know, that will be, you know, that would be tremendous. But if you could get to the point where you do Kenny Omega versus CM Punk and you could have Kenny Omega win, and once again, you're going to have to come up with something really good because you should be going out of your way to protect CM Punk so that when he does lose to younger talent, which will happen down the line, it gives them a massive rub. Hangman can then come back, be the guy to defeat Omega. And then it's like Chris Jericho when he beat Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock in the same night. Hangman and Page isn't going to have that kind of character. So, of course, he can be a little bit more subtle with it. But, you know, Kenny Omega, who wasn't, I mean, maybe once, sure, but ultimately beat Brian Danielson, beat CM Punk, beat, who else? He beat, beat Chris Jericho, I'm sure, at one point. He's beaten Pac. He's beaten John Moxley. He's beaten a bunch of guys. And it was me, the cowboy, the drunk, coming back and sobering up whatever I want to do that finally won the day and then i don't know how you would do this you couldn't do this i don't even know how it's possible because i think you'd be giving you'd be going against the fans which aew doesn't do and nor should they but then if you can do some kind of cm punk versus hangman adam page program which focuses on alcohol greatest thing ever we've seen it before it works i'd love to see it again 
but I don't want to boot either of these those two guys. And I think probably Punk would have to be a heel. And that's a big question people keep asking. We may have even talked about it on here. Like, could one of them go bad guy? I mean, yes, of course. You know, if you had told me when Brian Danielson came back to WWE after his retirement, oh, he's going to be a bad guy. He's going to be the, you know, the, the Earth's champion. But like, what the flub are you talking about? And nobody really booed him. And it was very entertaining. But, you know, yeah, it was an interesting situation. But going on my gut, and this makes no sense either. I totally agree with that. CM Punk seems to be more... I don't know, but that's not true because he's so beloved right now and he's having such a good time. I don't know what you do. You know, it doesn't even matter. Why are we even fantasy booking when there's no need? The point is, let me find out the... um, Actually go through the two shows before we talk about Dynamite itself, which I thought was an absolute banger of a show. Because I've got... So yeah, so Dynamite Grand Slam from Arthur Ashe Stadium has Omega versus Danielson. You've got Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. That will be good. Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, which I'm well into. Sting and Darby Allen versus FTR, which is ridiculous. Um, CM Punk will have an interview before he has his match on Rampage. And you've got MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. Then you go 48 hours later, and you've got Adam Cole and the Young Bucks taking on the Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. You've got Jericho and Hagar taking on uh, Page and Scorpio Sky. And you've got Powerhouse on uh, Hobbs and Punk on, on Rampage, to the point they've made Rampage two hours. So, you know, ups and downs is just ruining my week. <laughs> it's just ruining my weekend at the moment. But from a fan's point of view, it's absurd that this is happening so soon after All Out. And again, it ties into the momentum, as did the start of Dynamite. Like Adam Cole came out to a thunderous evasion. And once again, who cares about baby faces and heels? I don't. Just give me noise. Like, I, I, at some point, I'll criticize it because it won't make sense for the story. But in terms of what I wanted to have on this evening, just give me noise. Now, I thought he had a really good match with Frankie Kazarian. And the fact then his second match is him teaming up with his boys, the Young Bucks, who will be back on TV, to take on three people they would have genuine beef with, which also allows the tag team titles to sort of be separated from them before they eventually go back to it. It just ticks all my boxes, as does Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Now, I know it's a little bit convers- uh, c- controversial because Rosario Dawson was on the show. Now, I'm massively biased towards this. I'm pretty sure if you had picked somebody else, I wouldn't have liked it. I really like Rosario Dawson. I always have. I think I think she's very good at what she does. I watched a few episodes of Go Big Show from season one. I thought she was good on there, too. And ultimately, it is good promotion for Cody's show. And you may roll your eyes at that, but as uh, Uncle Dave Meltz on the Wrestling Observer was talking about this week, a huge reason that WWE were able to increase their women's demo or female demo was because of Total Divas. That got people into wrestling that way, and then they jumped across to the real thing. So if you can do that kind of stuff with something like a Go Big Show or the Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes reality show they're doing, then it's probably worthwhile. I just thought it was really fun. I totally understand the argument why we're doing this with Malachi Black. He's supposed to be this weird, crazy serial killer guy. But I thought the brawl afterwards was awesome. I thought the fact you could find all these clips of them continuing to do it in the uh, concession stand or by the concession stands in the foyer, uh, you know, people were posting that on social media, was also great. I just loved it. And I'm glad Cody came back. I'm glad he didn't have like a stereotypical return because he's already done that. And obviously we've seen a lot of those recently. So just phenomenal. Truly, I was having such a good time. Same with all the Sting stuff. Sting took a spike pile driver. It's flipping Sting. And it ties directly into this whole, oh, he's 63 years old, he can't do it anymore. Bullshit. If he wasn't 62 years old, I wouldn't be responding like that. So I can't wait for that. Sting and Darby Allen versus FTR. FTR must be doing just like, how, how have we got here? This doesn't make any sense. And who, who did they fight? It was FTR versus Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Just great wrestlers. Really, really good time. Really like Jade Cargill versus Layla Hirsch. I thought it was a really good um, window into their women's division at the moment because the variety was awesome. Like, you know, Jade Cargill was just this massive 
warrior. And Layla Hirsch is like this scrappy dog who won't give up. But they both bring something new to the table. So that was good too. And I'm sure I'm forgetting other stuff. Well, all this stuff with Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert is just great. He's so much fun. And I guess we probably should reference the fact that the words... I don't know if I can say it on here. I'm sure I can. Shit was said a thousand times. I don't know whether that was planned or whether it was a, a, a nod to South Park when they did it. The night of a thousand shits. Everyone was saying shit. This is bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Oddly, I don't think it was ever said during MGF and Brian Pillman, which probably is when it should have been said. They have really gone all in with Maxwell Jacob Friedman when it comes to his promos now. They're like, he's a bad guy. He's a heel. He's going to say terrible stuff. You're not going to agree with it, but that's the whole point. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's probably it's probably true. I don't know how you get out of this because Brian Pillman really should kick his ass. Like he, he really, really, really should kick his ass. But I don't think MGF should lose given that he's just coming off a loss to Chris Jericho. So that's going to be really fascinating. And the fact that Brian Pillman Jr. has been happy to have his personal life thrown into the mix like this more power to him because it does make the feud realism in wrestling always makes feuds better and this makes the feud absolutely tremendous so yeah AEW is just it's just a barrel of laughs and I thought the in-ring segment between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson on Dynamite I just wanted to see it like even if I had been not been watching it for my job and maybe I'd been skipping through it or watching it and I know some people watch it on two speed I would never do any of this I know that as soon as I got to that part I would have just stopped and I would just be like, I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see what they're going to do. Respect the dedication to the white T-shirt, courtesy of Danielson. He is going to wear that white T-shirt until, uh, <laughs> until he can't wear it anymore. And I also thought Christian's jabs at Adam Cole was quite good. The whole developmental line, the um, uh, losing Wednesday Night Wars. It's awesome. I know some people don't like it. I enjoy inner baseball. So tremendous, to be honest. AEW right now really does feel like it's hit a new level. And I hope that's represented in the ratings. But I hope that's the same for all wrestling shows. I've said it time and time again. I want more people to be watching wrestling. I think that's for the best. And talking about wrestling shows up on the curve, NXT 2.0, as I will call it then, and hopefully never have to call it again because I don't see the point in it. It came back. It's brighter. I like the visual look a lot more. I didn't mind the dingy thing before because I thought it was a throwback to old school wrestling. But everything has a shelf life, and I feel like we'd move past that. But yes, I really enjoyed the way that it looked. I liked all the colors. I liked how bright it was. I liked that they made it into almost studio wrestling. You know, am I going to be totally on board with the fact that it is very much a developmental territory now with guys being on there that are super duper green? I don't mind that. I quite like seeing wrestlers progress. It's why when people watch it and go, well, that person didn't look like they had much experience. Well, they didn't. It's like if I go up to do karaoke and people go, Miller, that wasn't very good. It's like, did you think this was a concert? (laughs) Did you think you'd come to see Simon Miller the gig because you didn't? Karaoke, by its nature, is going to have a bunch of people that are terrible at singing. I'm not saying that people are going to be awful on NXT, but I like the fact that I can watch it. Don't get me wrong. I liked what it was before. I, you know, WWE's version of indie wrestling, I think they've abandoned it when they shouldn't have done, but whatever. We're here now, so we may as accept it for what it is. And I do think there is a plus to seeing people progress and evolve and being like, is this person going to become a good wrestler? Or maybe they're better off, you know, being a promo guy or whatever. I, I, I totally get something from that. And what are we calling him? Braun Breaker? Whatever, Bron Breaker, you know, Rick Steiner's lad. I understand. I actually can almost empathize or sympathize, whichever one it would be with WWE. 
if I'm Vince McMahon and I know that somebody's uncle has called me and my family the C word a lot, I probably don't want to feature their name on television as well. Now, you can say that's stupid and I can understand that point of view too, but I also understand it the other way around. I don't necessarily think I would want to tap into that lineage, even if it was nothing to do with Rick Steiner. And they probably should tap into it because the Steiners are awesome. We know this. We've talked about this for many a year. But he really did come across like somebody you want to keep your eye on. And he looks exactly like all the guys WWE wanted to look like, right? Just a a big beefcake, big men slapping meat. I think that's the one thing I worry about. I don't want it to become too much like that. I hope there is a bit of diversity and variety there because big guys do... It's like anything. After, I mean, I love big guys, but after a while, you want a small guy. You want a fat guy. You want whatever. You know, big, thin, up, down, left, rights again. But I thought it was an... I wasn't unentertained by it. And I thought the main event was good. And I like the fact that Champa became the champion. I do think... I'm going to call him Steiner. Who cares? I do think Steiner's going to beat him for it very quickly. But I also think that's okay because, again, we've changed what the rules are. And if it's a developmental territory, you probably should make a, take a guy that you are going to push big on Raw or SmackDown when the time comes to it as your champion so he gets used to that role. And that is the one massive plus when it does come to AEW, AEW when it does come to NXT. Now, 2.0, one time I will use it. Because hopefully anybody that you do invest in on this show, when they do get to Mondays or Fridays, won't be fobbed off by Vince because he's already given them the green light and they look like what he deems a WWE superstar to look like. Again, very short-sighted. I wouldn't just do the whole 6'2", 240-pound thing. I would look at someone and try and take all their attributes into account. But they have made this decision and we can't change it. So I'm always going to try and pull the positives out of it. And that's a positive to me. I'm bored of people like, again, Malachi Black, Alistair Black or an EC3 or whoever. No way, Jose having all this fun down in NXT then coming up to the main roster and nothing happening absolutely sucked what happened with Samoa Joe really weird I don't get it I mean it does sound like it's a legit injury but if you want to be a conspiracy theorist and be all like wait a minute it doesn't you know does it seem a bit weird that he's having the belt stripped off him when we have made all these shifts but I totally believe that he would have been the guy to drop it to Bron Breaker anyway too so I don't really think it makes much of a much of a difference but i hope he's all right i hope he's doing well that guy's had terrible lucks with injuries and it's just it's just not fair it's just not fair on on any level but i hope he's doing well and i hope he's doing okay and same for triple h too i understand that out of sight out of mind but it sounded pretty terrifying to me and we haven't talked about it for a while so yeah i uh, i i i hope he's good Otherwise, I can't think of any news. I mean, all the news these days are contracts. Apparently, Johnny Gargano's contract's up soon, and Pete Dunne signed a new contract with WWE. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, hell froze over. I actually thought that was a smart move by Pete Dunne. Like, I know he's got a close relationship with Triple H and you know, Shawn Michaels. We can all see that. And I'm not saying he wouldn't have been a huge success in AEW. He would have been. He's a terrific professional wrestler. But there is going to become the law of diminishing returns at one point. Not to the stance that I think, oh, no one should ever be high by AW. Not at all. I think Tony Khan should hire as many people as he can. But there is going to become a point where you're not as big as the star, as the star that debuted before you, and therefore your star value will also be then hurt a little bit. So sometimes you kind of need to pick your moment, and it wasn't the moment to do it. He's a young guy. He's like 23, 24. In three years' time, if he wants to go to AEW, trust me, it's still going to be around. It's going to be absolutely fine. So... That was cool. And again, as long as he's happy, who gives a flub, right? Same with Adam Cole. He seems over the moon right now. So like you made the right decision. If you're happy, nobody can uh, nobody can uh, comment on that. Although Adam Cole did come out. This is the other big controversy at the moment. Adam Cole did come out and say that he hadn't heard any plans about him being a manager. And as we talked about on this show, show, maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. Maybe it was one idea that somebody had in creative and it was pitched and it was shot down. I don't know. But why everybody has to go and jump on the bandwagon straight away, I find absolutely crazy. I mean, Kofi Kingston did say on the internet the other day, or sorry, on an interview the other day, 
that he only found out what he was doing on Raw on Twitter. <laughs> so I suppose sometimes this information isn't going to get down to talent. And given everything I've seen in WWE over the years, do I think they would have done it on television? I don't know. But it's a possibility. I saw a giant turkey come out of an egg. So I can completely understand that maybe potentially Adam Cole was going to be a manager for Keith Lee, which would have been absolutely ridiculous. But hey-ho, it's all good. It didn't happen. He's having a good time. That's all that matters. But I don't think there's any other major news, again, apart from contract talks and everything, everything else about that, which is probably good because we need to calm down, actually focus on the on the wrestling matches. But I am very excited to see what AEW is going to do next week. I think if WWE can actually you know, use Big E to inject something into Raw, which is what it's needed for ages, then hell yeah. And as we are building up to SummerSlam kinda in a couple of months, well, there's two things you can do. You can do the Hurt Business versus the New Day and just get Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander back on board. I don't think WWE is going to do this, but you're wasting them anyway. So it was stupid to break them up so you can easily bring them back. Bobby Lashley could even show a little bit of humble pie and be like, oh man, I shouldn't have kicked you out. And then when you get near to Survivor Series, I would do the Bloodline versus the New Day. I don't care the New Day are back together. In fact, I think, myself included, one of the most overlooked bit things about WWE, about, WWE, about um, Big E deciding he was going to win the WWE title on Raw is because he was you know, getting revenge against Bobby Lashley, who had absolutely whipped the crap out of Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods over the last month or so. Hopefully, WWE will highlight that more on Monday. I think it's a really cool story to tell. So... You know, we have some built-in feuds there that will take us through to the end of the year, and we get a little bit of six-man tag action, which is something that WWE does do very well. I do want to talk about that thing on, was it Raw or SmackDown? Who was Raw, wasn't it? When they, when they announced that Tamina had won. <laughs> so weird. Sorry, other way around. Tamina was meant to win, and then, uh, what's her face? Nikki Ash won. By accident, it wasn't meant to happen. The referee did the count when he wasn't meant to. He didn't see Tamina kicked out. And then Tamina's music played and she was still announced as winning. <laughs> this is so, so weird. And because it's raw, you're not sure. You're like, was that meant to happen? Was it not meant to happen? So much fun. So much fun. So funny. Um, but look, mistakes happen. People jumped out. Oh, look, rubbish, rubbish. Ah, who cares? I really don't care. I'm over it. I just thought it made me laugh. And we can move on to something else. So... I guess Bray Wyatt is the last one talking about these surprises, going back to sort of like, uh, yeah, Pete Dunne. Where is Bray Wyatt going to go? I would like him to go to Impact, simply because as I am watching all the wrestling shows at the moment, AEW has a ton of stars once more, just to clarify before people go crazy. Yes, I hope they get more stars. Get all the stars you can. However, knowing I could tune into Impact once a week and have a super mega star like Bray Wyatt on there. I think Impact's a good show as it is. I think they understand what they're trying to do and they always stick to their uh, storylines really, really well. But I think having him as your centerpiece, it would almost be like when TNA had Sting back in the day. I understand Bray Wyatt isn't a bigger star, doesn't have the legacy that Sting does, but he does come off the back of, well, he has a huge fan base and he was treated as a upper echelon guy in WWE, even if he was never allowed to win a feud and even if we did book him into the ground. You know, he was still treated among that ilk. So to see somebody like him go to Impact would truly get me excited every week. So I kind of hope this happens. Do I think it is going to? I'm 50-50 on it. You've got a Braun Strowman too. If they could bring in Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, I think it infinitely helps Impact a lot. And I think it, it gives a whole new 
interest and intrigue to it and a little bit of a buzz which as we're learning from AEW especially is the major thing you need if you get a buzz and you get people talking about it around the water cooler like they say and tweeting about it Facebook and Instagram then other people think well I want to get involved in this like mob mentality you don't want to miss out FOMO it's classic FOMO that stupid thing fear of missing out and I do think there are some lapsed fans now that have dipped their toe back in. I certainly know a bunch of casual fans that now feel like they have to watch AEW because they like Punk, they like Danielson. They enjoyed Adam Cole in NXT. So, yeah, I'm glad. I want AEW to continue this, of course. I think next week they're going to have a phenomenal few days. But if we can get a little bit of love for Impact as well, hell yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? And a truly good way to do it would be to bring in two former WWE champions. I still find it kind of crazy saying that they probably should still both be with the company. Let us answer some questions before we wrap up for the day. Mostly because I'm getting really hungry now. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. My man, Brian Adenson, my tag team partner in TNT Wrestling. So absolutely go and follow Brian. It's Brian Adenson one on uh, Twitter. And I'm sure if you search for Brian Adenson or just look for the people that I follow, you'll find him there. Good guy. That's right. Bald guys taking over the tag team scene in TNT up in Liverpool. I believe I'm back there a week Sunday which is the 26th or something like that, whatever the last Sunday in um, September is. So if you're around, make sure you come check us out. We've got a six-man tag, too. Got to kick some ass. And he talks about that, too. He says, in Stunner Maths, how much of a chance do we have against Shreddy, Ryan, and Candace? These Some of these aren't real names, I don't think, in terms of wrestling to shoot names. At TNT Stream Wrestling next Sunday, Brian, we're going to kick their ass. Especially because Shreddy, who is one of our opponents, you can also follow Shreddy Breck Jim on Twitter. Are you ready for Shreddy? Yes. Me and Brian and Big Guns Joe, who's joining the team, are going to kick Synergy and Shreddy's ass. It's as simple as that. They've screwed us over now for the last few months. So you know how wrestling goes. We now have to kick them right in the spine. I hope to see you there. Uh, Tabby Cat says, question carrying on with the spot theme. When you mess, I don't know what I mean. When you mess up a spot, why do the majority of wrestlers proceed with trying to carry out said bodge spot again rather than getting their heads together in the ring and say to one another, well, we screwed that up, let's move on? Because wrestling's really hard. <laughs> this, I try and talk about this on, uh, on here and Twitter as much as I can. Wrestling's really tough. And when things do go wrong, it takes an experienced head or it just takes somebody to not get like all deer in the headlights and think, okay, what can we do? Somebody needs to take over. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And it's it's the same as, you know, why does a football player sometimes put a goal in his own, you know, his own net? Why does, like the other day, I'm not a Manchester United fan, but I was watching the Manchester United game and Jesse Lingard did the worst back pass of all time, like the 95th minute. Why did he do that? He made a mistake. He doesn't know why. It just happened. And he kind of just stood there like, uh, uh, uh. And it's the same with wrestling. Like you mess up a spot and instantly you think, oh, sugar, we meant to do the spot. Some people won't do the spot. We talked about the Tamina match. I thought everyone in that did tremendous because I just presumed it was a mess up by production, not actually what the finish was supposed to be. And you get the other side as well. So it, I think we have, and there's nothing wrong with being overly critical if that's what you want to do. But I do think we've forgotten that wrestling is a skill and that it's really hard. And I'm not saying that you have to have done it to criticize it. I don't agree with that argument at all. But as I have done it and I know how hard it is, I do think that we take it all a little bit for granted. LLG says, what are your thoughts on Jim Cornette's criticisms and his ideas on how he can make things better? After listening to his podcast over the COVID era, I've realized that, he's, uh, I've realized that he isn't out of touch. We are. Okay, well, I disagree with that last line totally. When it comes to Jim Cornette, I think he's allowed his opinions and 
I the only thing I don't like is that sometimes I feel like he takes personal insults at people, and that's not my style. But I massively respect everything that he's given to the wrestling industry. But no, th- th- that line I've realised that he isn't out of touch. We are. I I think no offence to you, my friend, and I appreciate you watching my show or listening to my show. But as soon as you start pointing the finger at anybody and saying they're out of touch, they're out of touch, I think you're walking down the wrong path. Like, I, I really, really do. I'm sure I don't listen to Jim Cornette's stuff. I'm sure Jim Cornette has some tremendous ideas. And I'm sure Jim Cornette has some terrible ideas. And I'm sure that WWE and AW and MLW and Ring of Honor have some good and bad ideas. I know they do because I see them transpire each and every week on TV. But ultimately, you have to go back down to metrics and numbers. And that's, you know, if, if business is doing well, then you're probably doing something right. And if business isn't doing so well, you're probably doing something wrong in terms of you want to grow your business. So, yeah, I personally, yeah, Jim Cornette's approach to wrestling isn't for me. However, I am just one individual and... You know, he, 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 again, I just talked about numbers. A lot of people like to listen to his stuff, but I don't like this out of touch thing. I think it's a, no offense to you, but just how I feel. I just think it's a cheap way of casting a backhanded insult at somebody. Like, let's not worry if somebody's out of touch or not. Let's look at the ideas and then try and, you know, extrapolate why we do or why we don't like it. It should be as simple as that. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, use your term. There's nothing wrong with an out of touch idea. It's an idea, and maybe it leads to something else, which, again, I don't personally like it. Um, Where am I going? I've lost it. Erin, my lungs says, Simon, I'm very tired. I didn't have to work, so I'm sleeping in. Good for you. Anyway, who should Malachi Black feud with after he's kicked Cody's head clean off his shoulders? It's a really good question, and there are a lot of good options. I mean, I don't really know where Malachi Black fits in a good way, you know, because he's not really a heel, he's not really a face. And while AEW doesn't necessarily follow those paths, they kind of got, got the tunnels, for example. I mean, I think Malachi Black does come out in the middle. I think, I can't remember now. Or maybe he's just, the, the, the lights go black and he's there. I would like him to fight with a goody two-shoes baby face after this that maybe isn't as high as Cody on the card. So like an, almost like an elevation thing where he could impart a lot of his wisdom. I'm now sort of... I think if Sammy Guevara beats Miro for the TNT Championship, Malachi Black versus Sammy Guevara would be something I'd massively be interested in, especially with the title on the line. I think that would be cool. Adam says, who has been your favorite journeyman or journeywoman wrestler? As in someone who started from the very bottom of the company and took time to reach main event champion status, for example, as Big E has recently done. Well, that's not really a journeyman, Adam, my friend. I appreciate you listening as always. A journeyman is more somebody like Jerry Lynn is a journeyman. A journeyman he deserved a hell of a lot more. He never got it. However, he was always a good hand and he had a very, very good career in professional wrestling the fact that Big E has now become the WWE champion is he's the antithesis of a journeyman I wonder if I can get an actual definition of journeyman journeyman definition it came from boxing if I believe yeah actually no that's not fair about Jerry Lynn either because the actual uh uh what do you call it the definition is a worker or sports player who is reliable but not outstanding so no Jerry Lynn was a whiz he was flipping he was underrated was the problem so I certainly wouldn't go with it with Big E as well. I know what you I know what you're trying to say though. If get journeyman out of the way and we take someone that took a while to reach the top. I don't necessarily think Big E would have been in that conversation. It feels like a good rise to me. Bobby Lashley would be in there. He should have been champion way before he was. Uh, the million dollar man would be in that. We never made it to championship status, but he should have done. Uh there'll be some other people as well. It's kind of difficult because we're kind of now focusing on two different things. But there will be a ton, absolutely. 
Uh, Merck says, hey, Simon, do you think Roman should drop the title to Lesnar or should Roman retain to make him feel even more like that ultimate final boss? And should the Bloodline battle the New Day at Survivor Series? Yes to that last one. Uh, I think, no, I think that Roman Reigns should beat Brock. I think Roman Reigns should beat Brock Lesnar. And then I think Roman Reigns should be defeated by probably someone who's in NXT right now, if we're being honest. That's probably how it's going to work, given that Vincent Mann has his fingers all over that. But that's what we should do. We should take the power of Roman Reigns and we should give it to a new guy. We've seen how it can work with Brock Lesnar, who you could argue didn't even need it. So imagine doing it to someone we've actually got a plan with. So that's what I would do. I mean, there'd be obviously, um, if you wanted to do that with Big E before he'd won this championship, I would have said absolutely. But I feel like he's had his moment now, so it's less important. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else who's sort of hanging around. There will be people, but no, I think you should give it to someone to really bring them up. Because absolutely, when Roman Reigns isn't in that position anymore, you're going to need someone. So you better have somebody ready. Jose says, if you ever, uh, if ever possible, would you consider doing a tag team match with your fellow ups and downs? Hang on, this is all, hang on. Give me a sec, give me a sec, give me a sec. This is all, okay, start again. If ever possible, would you ever consider doing a tag team match with your fellow ups and downs fella, Morgan Garrison, if he would be willing, against Sammy Callahan and John Moxley if they were to make it to the UK and a proper booking took place? Well, I wouldn't have to make it to the UK. If somebody said, Simon, do you want any booking against John Moxley and Sammy Callahan? I'd say, yes, where do I sign? I'll come to Timbuktu. I'm not sure... <laughs> we, yeah, I'm not sure we'd, we'd just be throwing other people into this, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure he wouldn't say no. Who would say no? It'd be crazy. Craig says, after Roman beats Demon Balor, what would you say is next for Finn? Or do you think we won't see him and he will be released in the next set of releases? No, I don't think so. I don't know, as I said earlier, but I hope it's something big. I really like Finn Balor and he deserves it. Uh, Drew says, I'm in the States, so I've never seen your wrestle. What's your finisher? Is it the surprise roll-up? Please tell me it's the surprise roll-up. It is a surprise roll-up in one promotion right now where I'm a bad guy. Yeah, I'm deliberately doing it to piss people off and it's wonderful. Otherwise, I've actually just changed it again and I'm using a, um, a gut wrench powerbomb because I wanted to simplify. And yes, it's called the ups and downs. Person goes up, then they come down. Alex says, what is the ceiling for Scorpio Sky? I think he has a higher ceiling than men of the year. I love the tag team and enjoy Lambert as the mouthpiece, but I see him as a potential AEW challenger for the world title. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, Scorpio Sky is great. I'm sure he will have his moment. I personally am enjoying the men of the year a lot at the moment. And I'm sure when it's run its course, Scorpio Sky will have his time. And Ethan Page too. I think they're both great. OG says, what do you feel like AEW's and WWE's current strong suits when it comes to booking programming? And what is one thing you would have them do more like the other? Oh, man, that's such a difficult question to answer. I mean, things that I like, I enjoy the current storylines on SmackDown. I think Roman Reigns is booked very well. I think they have a very fun undercard. Um, AEW, to me, just... AEW, to me, just operates within its own remit extremely well right you you kind of always know what you're going to get but that's fine and they make individual people feel like stars so that's probably something that wwe could do better is make people feel like individual stars you know because obviously they push the wwe as opposed to the actual human beings the individuals and in terms of vice versa what does wwe do that i mean there will be things i just can't think of them because i don't think wwe is as bad as some people make out raw can be but again, I think SmackDown sometimes balances it out. I'd have to think about that. That's a really, really difficult question. So I'm just going to move on because my show. PhD says, what direction do you think AEW could go with streaming services? Seems like they have such a deep roster. Uh, I could imagine a nice channel app and a no ads premium option. I mean, I'm sure they do want to do that because then you own your own content. But they don't need to worry about that for a while. If, I, if they were going to do it, though, I believe it would be more like the UFC as opposed to WWE. So you'll pay an X amount to access content, but then you have to pay more on top of that for the pay-per-views. And they probably should do that 
Because again, they're there to make money and people would pay it as they have done for, for, for UFC. Uh, Night of the Living podcast says, do you think New Japan should bring some AEW wrestlers in for the G1 and who would you want? I would like Darby Allen and Powerhouse Hobbs. Well, I'm sure they would have done if it wasn't for the pandemic and that's what stopped it. But yeah, Darby Allen, Powerhouse Hobbs, John Moxie, Brian Danielson. I'd love to see Kenny Omega back in there. Cody Rhodes would be fun. A Jungle Boy. Anyone, really. Any kind of forbidden door action and I'm all in because I think it, you know, I think it becomes exciting. Uh, Brittany says, do you expect confrontation between the elite and Bullet Club with Bound for Glory being the start of it? No, not necessarily. I kind of think AEW has enough gang warfare, but anything can happen. Again, if you want to open the door, I'll be there for it. And the villain says, if you could have a match with a legend or a current pro wrestler, who would that be? And let's throw in a match type. Anyway, thank you for your content for your channels. I appreciate them. Keep them up. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Bret Hart, straight up exhibition match. He didn't need stipulations, so we don't need stipulations. And he would probably drag my ass to a five-star classic because he was that good. Not saying that I'm good at all. He was that good. Brian, why does Michael Cole constantly in big pay-per-view matches declare the winner before the three-count hits? He just did it in Reigns versus Cena. Brian, don't worry about it. (laughs) I love you, my friend, because you asked me a question. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Move on. Trust me. (laughs) Move on. Uh, Oregano Jackson says, who do you think should... Oh, hang on, what? Who do you think should have given Brock his first loss if it wasn't John Cena? I'm presuming you mean after he returned. Because if Lesnar beaten Cena Extreme Rules, the first loss would have been that awful WrestleMania match with Triple H. I think they told the Invader versus Ace story perfectly Extreme Rules. Well, no, I don't think Brock Lesnar should have lost either of those. I think if we had done what we had done with Brock Lesnar post WrestleMania 30 and what we had kind of started to do, we never would have needed to have done WrestleMania 30, but we had to punish him from going to UFC. So... His first loss would have been against Goldberg if we're going by the actual, you know, the way that we're pitching it, which, yes, would have been four years down the line or whatever it was. But yeah, Brock Lesnar should not have lost for ages. But hey-ho, that's WWE. Alex says, with so much upper card talent in AEW, do you think it's time for another singles belt as well as the trios belt? No, not at all. I think one thing we're really learning now, that if you get the story right and you tell it really, really well, people will buy into it and the title's just there as a sweetener. The problem is you don't want to over... Uh, you, you don't want to drown your promotion in titles because then the title you are fighting for becomes watered down. So no, interviews a trios belt, absolutely, because then you can get more people on TV and once again, you can establish that. But no, I think we've got enough singles titles. Make them mean something. And the best way to do that is to keep them uh, keep them low. Uh, Batty says, what's the record number of ups and downsides spotted during a wrestling show? Well, it would definitely be recently. And I have you know that I am very appreciative about all of this and it puts a smile on my face. I mean, for me personally, I saw three in one show and I was like, how the hell are there three? I mean, even if there would be half of one, I'd be amazed. But yeah, three. Three was, was the, the headline. And keep bringing them, man, because you absolutely make my day. Evan says, do you think AEW is heading in the direction of an overcrowded roster? If so, what can they do to combat this brand split more championships? No, we talk about this every week. I'm never going to sit here and say don't employ people because that's nuts. And also, uh, AEW has said and proven right now with Hangman and Page, they want to cycle people in and they want to cycle people out. Cody Rhodes has just done it too. It allows wrestlers to go and, you know, explore other opportunities, hire as many people as you can, come up with the stories and just balance the books. It just means sometimes people aren't going to be on TV. That's not the end of the world. And back in the territory system, it used to happen all the time in a very different guise, but still. Travis, with AEW doing four special shows a year that are pay-per-view quality, how do you feel about being three hours long? No, no, no. I hate longer wrestling shows. We don't need it. We have enough content in the week already. 
and it should be up to the creative minds to figure out how you get it into the allotted time slot. Like I'm, I'm a little bit like, why have we extended Rampage for two hours next week? I totally get it, and it makes sense, and I'm sure I'll love it when I watch it, but I would much prefer we fit things around the timescales we had. Otherwise, you get to Raw at three hours. Then it's three, then it's four, then it's nine, then it's WrestleMania 35, and we don't need them. Tana Lee says, who do you see as the next three AEW World Champions? Hangman Adam Page, I think Brian Danielson will hold it, and I think CM Punk will hold it. Probably not in that order, but yes, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Those three. Uh, Chris says, would you try it for Tough Enough if they ever did another season? Probably not, because WWE wants young wrestlers. I'm, I'm a wrestler, not as young as they want me to be. <laughs> Joshua says, we've seen two shows recently get a total golden up, but has a show gotten a brown down? Yeah, retro ups and down shows have gotten a brown down. I can't remember which ones now, but yes, it has, and it will happen again. I don't doubt it. Drone says, how would you revitalize the tag team division in WWE? Also, what two people would you put together to become a tag team? They just need to focus on it more. I mean, the fact we had that big tag team turmoil, which admittedly was okay at best, and then it was completely ignored the next week goes to show. And I understand why they ignored it. They did put on a good show, but these kind of things build up in your brain and makes you start to think, oh, maybe it's actually not that big a deal at all. Really, Vince McMahon just has to start liking tag team wrestling, but I don't think he is going to do that. And if I was going to put two people together, you haven't sort of, you know, signified in divisions or, or companies. So I would put Miro and Bron Breaker together and they'd kill everybody and win. Steve said, how much of a tragedy is it the gun club are undefeated and still haven't been given a tag team title shot? AEW sends wins and losses matter, so give them a go. Well, yes, it's true. It's the reason they did turn heel. I did think the reason was a little bit like, meh. I've kind of heard this a thousand times before, but I do like them as bad guys. And I suppose this will be a way to put them, them into that role. So good for them. You know, now they can do it. Uh, Saint says, what UK promotions should we be watching? All of them, obviously, support UK wrestling. Billy says, what are your thoughts on Frankie Kazarian's elite hunter gimmick? Yeah, I think it's good. He whips their ass. I mean, maybe it's not as consistent as maybe it could be, but I still enjoy it. I like when he runs out and beats people up. Uh, Christian, how do you think WWE... No, how do you think Bray Wyatt should debut in AEW if he does go there? Probably is the leader of the Dark Order now, given they've got that storyline. I wouldn't have agreed with that, but now they've done it and they planted this wonderful seed... That's where I would like it to be. I think that would be good. MSK says, when you think Adam Page should come back to get his revenge, also is Bray going to be the new leader of the Dark Order, given there are rumors about him signing with AEW soon? Adam Page should come back when his child is born and he wants to come back. Simple as that. I don't think it matters when he comes back and get a big reaction. And yes, I think Bray Wyatt being the leader of the Dark Order would be good, but only because they've introduced this story. Uh, Ashley says, picture this. Adam Cole and the Bucks pick up the win at Arthur Ashe Stadium. The EVPs then declare themselves the inaugural trio's champs, producing the belts on the spot. What do you think? Thanks for all that you do. Well, Ashley, I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it when they gave the belt to Triple H back in 2002, and I don't like it whenever we do that. Have a tournament, right? A tournament is always the best thing to do. Everyone loves a tournament, unless your name is Vincent McMahon. It just works because it's like real sports so i hope if we do introduce the trios championship we have an awesome tournament we feature as many teams as possible we have a bunch of upsets that allows a random trios team not necessarily to win it but at least become a faction or at least become a factor and i think that would rock danny nightmare says will you wrestle in america yes danny i, I was due to wrestle in america a few times before the pandemic and we can't travel to America now at the moment unless you have a super duper reason. And me saying, you know, I want to wrestle is not because I'm not wrestling for a big company. But the answer is yes. And I will have information as soon as possible. 
Um, Carl says, who should Big E's first major feud be with? Well, Bobby Lashley. And we can't really talk about after that because we don't know what's going to happen. So the answer will be Bobby Lashley. Sean says, if you ever had a kid, what would be the first match that you would want them to watch? I don't know. Something fun. Something that's really, really fun and over the top and probably something like with Mick Foley with Socko or Santina Morella with the snake. Something like that. Something that was silly over the top and then sort of, you know, bleed them onto the bigger stuff. Uh, Sonic Wolf says, how does one find a school for pro wrestling? Oh, dude, it's easy now, man. Just Google it and then type in the school that you find and see what the reputation is. Super, super easy. Google is your friend. So, so, so easy. Uh, Greg says, how much wood can a woodchuck chuck? 25. Connor, single worst event you have paid money for, either in person or pay-per-view. Connor, I never keep these things in my brain. And I always manage to find the good in all of it because I'm just that kind of positive asshole. Justin, Russian leg sweep, Canadian destroyer, Alabama slam. What's your favorite move named after a place? And if you could invent one, what would it be called? Well, I suppose it would have to be the uh, British... I can't go with Bulldog because that's too obvious. The British Backbreaker. There you go. The British Backbreaker. I don't know what it would be, but I come up with the various and the Backbreaker. And out of those three moves, I mean, probably the Canadian Destroyer. But the Alabama Slam too. The Alabama Slam is a very underappreciated move. It always looks very, very, very good. Uh, Scott says, as someone who's never been interesting, give me a quick pitch as to why I should give it a shot. I'm not going to do that, Scott. I don't think you should at all. I think you should find other means and medium and entertainment that you do enjoy rather than be forced to watch something that you don't like. Chris, if you could wrestle any wrestler past or present, who would it be? Brett the Hitman Hart still. Life O'Reilly, if you could have any move named after you, what would it be? The Simon Slam. Stephen Norris, what's your take on AEW versus WWE? I love all wrestling and I hope they all do very, really well. Numero, what did you have for breakfast? Nothing today. I'm fasting. It's Yom Kippur. Quick fire time uncle chavo who is your favorite wrestler currently or it'd be biggie or it would be miro or it would be kenny omega brian danielson cm punk move on quick Coulter says what moves do you think AEW can make to continue to grow their women's division just start to feature it more prominently and keep giving people's pushes i hope they do it soon daniel why do you think people are obsessed with having big sweaty men everywhere in wrestling when they don't draw who says they don't draw darnell they do draw. They draw a lot. But the point is you need to make sure you have your big, heavy, sweaty men. And you need to have your high flyers. And you need to have your cruiserweights. And you need to have your fat guys. And you need to have everything. Every single successful wrestling promotion has always ticked all the boxes. William, what do you think about using an on-title match to get Kenny versus Brian Danielson for New York City and not have to worry about rankings? Dude, I want to see the match. I don't care how they do it. I don't care if they looked in the camera and said, wrestling's fake, that's why we're doing it. I just want to see that match. Chances of Bray White coming back to WWE by Matthew, probably pretty slim, but you never do know. Uh, Wyatt says, should WWE do a New Day triple threat? No, never break them up now. It'll ruin my absolute life. The boss of Twitch. Wow, thanks for joining. Should they have waited for Big E to cash in Extreme Rules? No, no, we've talked about it. Just do it, get it done. Kieran, is Roman Reigns versus Kenny Omega match the Sting versus Undertaker of our time in that it's too sweet of a deal to actually happen? No, I don't think so. I think one day it probably could happen, to be completely honest with you. It's just one of those things. Future says your top horse to win the G1. Oh, that's a great question. I would like to see Jay White in it. Is he even in it? I can't remember the brackets now. Probably a carder. He probably needs a big win, right? Deserves it. Um, Balahari says, what do you think about GCW and their recent buzz? Do you think they will grow? I kind of do feel like they have the modern day ECW, so the old school ECW to them. I don't get to see many of their shows over here, but I love the buzz and I love... Um, I love everything they've done. All that John Moxley, Nick Gage, and uh, uh, Matt Cardona stuff has been awesome. So more power to them. Kieran says, do you watch cricket? I don't actually. I don't like it. 
Alex, if Dave Meltzer were to hit the Meltzer driver, would it still be called the Meltzer driver or do you think he'd name it something else? Bonus question, would he do the flippy bit or the tombstone bit? Well, if Meltzer driver does the Meltzer driver, it's definitely the Meltzer driver. If anything, it's the Meltzer Meltzer driver. And he definitely did the flippy bit. He loves it. In Japan, five stars. Uh, a couple more. Justin says, you're given the ring name Miller Light. What's the gimmick? Who is your manager? And what is your signature gimmick match? Will I be a super heavyweight and my joke, my name would be a joke? And my signature would be that big bonsai drop that Yokozuna used to do. Look at that. We did it. Kenny, what wrestling moves do you think takes the most talent to receive? The Panama Sunrise comes to mind. Kenny, you are incorrect. Any kind of Code Red or Canadian Destroyer is actually super easy to take. You just fall backwards. It's incredibly hard to give one off the top rope, for example, because there's a certain element of fear there. But there are much more technical moves. But that's why that's why one of the best, because it makes you feel that way. Um... Brennan says, do you have high hopes for Bron Breaker besides that stupid name change? Rex Steiner was a really good name. Yeah, we talked about it. I think he's going to do really well. And I think he'll have the backing of WWE, which is massively important. And Dylan says, how much more can your tum-tum take with all the good wrestling to be found literally everywhere? It's true, man. There is... uh, It's really good right now. And not just in AW, because what people say. It's really good everywhere. And it absolutely rocks. And we will do one more, which is all Elite Leo says, will next week's Dynamite be the best episode of wrestling of the year? 100%. You've answered it. And who do you think should take the title off Miro as it seems we're not going to get Eddie versus him? I think the Arthur Ashe Stadium show is going to be one to remember. 19,000 people, pay-per-view like card. I think we should be very excited. And I think we should be treating it like a pay-per-view. And I think given that, you know, the Fuego del Sol match has clearly been put in place so that Miro can beat him and go on to Sammy Guevara because they're friends, I think Sammy should probably win the championship. It's been a long while. He hasn't been massively featured over the last couple of months, really. So let's get him right back in there. And beating Miro would kind of do what we were talking about earlier and elevate a young guy. So that's what I hope to see. And on that note, I have to stop. I have no energy. I feel absolutely exhausted. And it's time for me to do some thinking and some atoning. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Can't even talk because my mouth is full of saliva. Because my stupid body is like, why haven't you drunk any water or food today? It will soon learn. Thank you very much for listening as always, though. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, if you want to chat, is at SimonMeta316. If you want to support me on the podcast, it's patreon.com forward to Simon316. Can't do the podcast without that. So thank you to every single one of you. Merchandise is simonmiller.bigcartel.com. I'm on Cameo now. If you'd like a Cameo, I'll shout at you in a phone. Also on YouTube, search for Simon Miller. Check out What Culture 2. Thanks to Pans and Knuckles. Pans. Pins and Knuckles uh, for always supporting the podcast. I really do need to go and rest. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you again soon.